Good morning. Good morning again. It's good to be in the house of worship. And I thank God for each one of you all here today. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the gospel according to uh, St. Matthew. Uh, and we'll begin reading at, at chapter number six. Um, and we'll begin our reading at verse number 19. Then I'm going to flip ahead to Matthew, the 13th chapter, and take a look at a passage of scripture there. Okay. Now, last week, guys, we, we began to unpack a little bit more uh, for uh, how generosity works. And we said that there are four reasons why living in the spirit of generosity is smart. It's genius. We said, number one, it changes our lives. We saw that in Proverbs, the 11th chapter, verse 24 through 28. We also saw, said that uh, another reason why we should live in the spirit of generosity is generosity connects us with others. Okay, It connects us with others. Um, and third, we, which we're going to jump into today, generosity helps us invest in what matters. It helps us to invest in what matters. So we look at Matthew, the sixth chapter. Uh, we begin our reading uh, at verse number nine of this text. Uh, the Bible says this, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. It says, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Next verse, let's read. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Uh, let's back up and repeat that. We all read that with me out loud on purpose. It says what? Wherever your treasure is, there the desires, the desires of your heart will also be. So where your treasure goes, your heart follows. Think about this for a second. How many of y'all, just be honest with me now, how many of y'all during the course of a week think about me more than 20 hours a week? Anybody? I mean, just think about me, okay? What, what am I doing? What is he up to? Uh, how am I managing my resources? None, none of y'all think about me 20 hours a week, right? Now, hopefully my wife does. And maybe she does and maybe she don't with all the things that's going on. But, but she's not thinking about it. But what if, you, what if you gave me or what if, what if you knew I had $75,000 that was yours that you had given me uh, to, uh, to manage and, and you've entrusted it to me would you not be thinking about what am I doing? Would you not be wondering, okay, now when is this, when is, when is this return coming back to me? Did he, did he went on vacation. They say he went to Florida, went to Miami. He was on South Beach partying. He, was, he, he took a, a, a flight uh, to, down to Barbados. Uh, and, and, and so you'll start to wonder, where is Pastor Adams? Why? Because what? Your treasure is with who? Pastor Adams. Otherwise, you wouldn't be thinking about me very much. Hopefully you're praying for me. Can I get one of y'all to say, Pastor, I pray for you? Oh. Can I get two more to say, Pastor, I pray for you? Thank you very much. But where a man's treasure is, his heart will follow that. Are y'all with me today? He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Let's keep reading. Come on, let's go. It says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. Next verse says what? 
But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Text says, no man can serve two masters. Let me read again. Say, no man can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both what? God and money, or as the KJV says, God and mammon. Okay, we're going we're gonna to park right there. Uh, and I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter number one. And let's look at, I think it's around verse number 26, Brother Jay, if you can pop that up. Genesis chapter one, and we're going to read verses 26 and 27. Talking about the spirit of generosity. As you saw in that video that, that, that I showed, showed you just prior to coming up here, that couple made a conscious decision that they're going to be financially responsible, put themselves in a position where they can sow generously into the lives of others. I, I told you before, one of the things that Marrera and I started doing several years ago is, is that when we're out and about, if, if we're out eating and we, we like to go and eat for our date night or whatever, but when we're out eating and we go to a restaurant, we like to sow into the, into the life of that person who's serving us at that table particularly if they are serving uh, with a spirit of excellence. And it's rare, it is rare that we tip below 30%. And oftentimes we'll tip 50%. And there are times we went to a certain restaurant, we have this, this lady who, who takes care of us royally, we tip her 100% of what the bill is. And we do that not to show out, but we do that to, to be a blessing to somebody else. Are you guys tracking with me today? So, Generosity, the spirit of generosity is something that God desires for us as believers to carry in our walk of faith. God does not desire for us to be stingy. Hello. God does not desire for us as believers to be hoarders. He wants us to carry a spirit of generosity because he's a generous God. He's a giving God. The text says this. Are you all with me? Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. Let's go. It says what? Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Can we say it again? Let's say it. Then God said, what? Let us make human beings, let us make man in our image to be like us. Now, who is us? There's the plurality of the triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 27, let's read. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So, so right off the bat, we know that, that from the beginning of the existence of humanity, God's desire was for us as humans to be like him. God the Father, Son, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In his image, to be like him. Now, one of the things that we know about God is God is a generous God. John 3, 16, we quote it all the time. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever what? Believeth in him will not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. God was so generous that he knew the sinful state of mankind would prevent him from having an intimate relationship with the triune God. 
So God says, listen, I am not going to allow my creation to wander out there in the wilderness. I got a plan to bring man back to myself. And I'm going to give my very best so that I can have communion with my prized creation. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that God is generous enough to give his very best. I'm glad that God was was willing to, to, to pour out of himself to be born in human flesh, to interject himself in human history so that you and I could have relationship with him. Praise the Lord, God Almighty. I don't know about you, but I'm super proud of the fact that God chose me. I'm unworthy. But he chose to have relationship with me. He's a giving God. He's a generous God. Can I get a witness? So as we, we, we look at uh, our text and we, uh, we begin to unpack some of these things, we said that uh, number three, generosity helps us invest in, what's, in what matters. Uh, the, uh, if, if you go back... Um, uh, let, let's go, let's go, let's, if you will, let's go to Matthew, the 13th chapter right quick. And I want to, I want to point some things out to you and then we'll pop back over into the sixth chapter. Matthew chapter 13. And let's look at verse number 44. Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to look at verse number 44. All right. Text says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hit it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. All right? Now, listen, who's talking here in this text? Oh, get, 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 your, get your Bible out. If you got a red letter, it's in the red. That's Jesus talking, right? He gives the parable. Okay, so it's not a trick question. Here is Jesus talking, and he gives this illustrative Parable. Okay, again, remember, remember what a parable is. A parable, a parable literally is something that's cast alongside something else to bring clarity. Are you with me? It's cast alongside a spiritual principle to bring clarity to the spiritual principle that God, that Jesus Christ wants his followers to know. Jesus' parables were earthly stories that were cast alongside a spiritual truth in order to illustrate that truth. Can I get a witness? His parables were, were, were teaching aids and can be thought of as extended analogies or what we call inspired comparisons. A common description of a parable is that it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I like that definition. I think that bodes well. It's, a, it's, a, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, this man in the parable crosses through a field and discovers something buried Underneath the ground, he finds some gold coins, uh, some jewelry, some precious stones, a treasure more valuable than anything he, he, this guy's ever imagined. But let's keep reading the text here. It says this uh, in verse number four. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. Jesus keeps on going talking about what the kingdom of heaven is like. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and did what? And he bought it. He did what? He bought it. Sold everything he owned, he bought it. When he discovered a great pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned, and he did what? He bought it. Now watch this, guys. This man in the parable, again, discovers this valuable treasure. But now remember, what he says, 
the kingdom of heaven is like this. Are y'all with me? The man is overwhelmed with joy. He can't believe he's just discovered it. If you allow me to use my spiritual imagination, he said to himself, I got to have that treasure. Some, some, some wealthy man must have buried this treasure and died suddenly and its secret location dying with him. There's no homestead nearby. Surely the current landowner has no clue this ancient treasure is here. So he says again, I got to have that treasure. And see, when you think about the kingdom of heaven, it should be something that all of us desire with intense passion. It should be something that we desire with, 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 with uh, unilateral focus. Because God is saying, I need a people who are willing, Sister Jacqueline, to sell out everything so they can be in relationship with me. He's looking for a people of God who, who he can tap you on the shoulders and says, I need you to exude a spirit of generosity into this situation. I need you to sow $2,000 to help this family right now. Now, he can't tell some of us that, right? Because some of us will start cussing, thinking it's the devil. But guys, I'm telling you, God desires to use each one of us to express his love for mankind. And if we don't embrace a spirit of generosity, we will find ourselves being hoarders and being a people who are not willing to sow when the Holy Spirit instructs us to sow. See, this man in the parable in this 13th chapter, from the moment of his discovery, this man's life changes. The treasure captivates him so much so that it dominates his thinking. Have you ever had anything dominate your thinking before? When a man loves a woman... Come on, come on, come on. I need, I need some, some, some north of 50 folks. What's the rest of that part? He can't what? Can't keep his mind on what? Oh, none of y'all brothers ever been there before? Are oh, you too scared to admit it up in the eye? How many sisters have had your, man, your mind on a man before? Can I get one mar- married woman to say your mind is on your man? <laughs> Lord Jesus. Hurry up, marriage retreat. Go sign up for the July marriage retreat. No woman, there was not any, there was not, any, I, I expect some exuberance, some hands to go up with the fingers waving in the air. And some of y'all are like, mm. But I'm trying to paint a picture for you, okay? Can I paint a picture? How many of y'all remember (laughs) what you consider to be your first love? I'm taking you back a little bit, okay? Don't get mad, spouse. I'm just taking them back down memory lane. Because when you first felt that that eros, that, 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 that thrill, that feeling of exhilaration, it was like nothing you'd never experienced before. So much so, uh, people say you were in what, what they call crazy love. I mean, in other words, you couldn't see the forest for the trees. 
Are y'all with me today? You, you, you didn't understand that he really wasn't good for you, but you call yourself in love with him. That feeling, that's what I'm talking about. When, 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 when he used you up several times over, but you couldn't let go. See, God desires for you to have intense passion for him that even when you're walking through a valley experience, you won't turn his hand loose. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they're comforting me. How many of you are willing to pursue the kingdom of heaven with that type of passion, that type of drive? That's what... <laughs> It's the, it's, it's the spiritual connotation of this parable that we see here in Matthew, the 13th chapter. Now, now watch this, guys. This, this parable of the hidden treasure is one of many references that Jesus made to money and material possessions. Why do you think Jesus put such an emphasis on money and material possessions? Well, I'll tell you why. Because there is a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think about and how we handle money. Let me say it again. There is a fundamental connection. There is a, an irrevocable connection between our spiritual lives and how we handle our material possessions. You know, we may try to separate our faith and our finances, but God sees them as being inseparable. Are you with me? Everybody say inseparable. Go with me to Luke, the third chapter, verse number three through 14. Come on, let's go. Luke chapter three, and we're going to look at verses three through 14. Are y'all with me today? Are y'all ready to, 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 to dive into the word of God? I share with you when we start this series that it's critically important that each one of us realize and recognize how are we hearing the seed of the word? Remember, the success of the word of God is totally dependent in large part on how your heart is conditioned. The parable of the sower, remember we taught this out, the type of ground that the seed landed upon dictated the, the productiveness of the seed and what kind of fruit it produced. So you can sit there and your heart be hardened. You can sit there and your heart be divided. You can sit there and have good ground heart that receives the seed of the word of God planted in your heart and it begins to take root and germinate. I want to make sure that you're looking at how you're receiving today because it's critically important. Luke chapter 3, verse number 3, text says, Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repenting of their sins and turn to God to be forgiven. Next verse, let's go. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the, clear the road for him. I'm talking about John the Baptist here, the forerunner of Christ, the one who was announcing that a Savior is coming. He was not the Savior, but he was the forerunner. That means he went before, before he came before. Are y'all still with me today? Let's keep reading. The text says this. Uh, the valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made straight. The text says, and then all people will see the salvation sent from God. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, you brood of snakes. Now, John is calling some of these folks snakes. How many of y'all know some snakes? How many of you got some snakes in your life? All right. He, 
John, John said, you brutal snakes, you vipers, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Verse number eight, prove, listen to this, prove by the way you, prove, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. See, there are some who, who are of, of Jewish, natural Jewish ethnicity. They were of the uh, 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 seed of Abraham. They thought just by being born a Jew, it made them safe. Are you with me today? Remember what I told you? God's plan all along was to bring Jew and Gentile together in one body. But he had to choose a people group to interject himself into human history. It didn't make the people group uh, uh, to the point to where they just automatically had relationship with God uh, under the new covenant. They had to they had to prove through their obedience to scripture that they were really walking with God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. (laughs) Keep reading. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is paused, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Let's keep going, guys. Text says this. The crowds ask, what should we do? All right, now. I don't want you to miss this. They asked, what should we do? Now, again, among the crowds that gathered to hear John the Baptist preach, three different groups asked him how they should prove their repentance. Three different groups asked, how do we prove that we truly repented? All right? And John gives them three answers. Let's, let's read through uh, uh, verse 10 through 14. I'll come back and unpack each one of these 11, uh, 11, 13, and 14, okay? The crowds ask, what should we do? Next verse, John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the, what? To the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Next verse, even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? Next verse, he replied, collect more Collect no more taxes than the government requires. See, what you got to understand is uh, the, the Jews were under Roman occupation. In other words, they were, they were, they were, they were governed by, the, by, by, by Rome, okay? And so what Rome would do was hire Jewish people to, to collect taxes from Jewish people. And many of those tax collectors were crooked uh, as the day is long, okay? They, they didn't have a lot of integrity. So listen to this, just listen to this real carefully. They want to know, how do we show that we truly have repented? John gave three answers. Verse number 11 says, everyone should share clothes and food with the poor. Verse 13, tax collectors should stop taking extra money, stop cheating folks. And verse 14, soldiers should be content with their wages and not extort money. My question, did anybody ask John about finances? I need you to think right quick. Did they ask him about material possessions? Okay, let's go back because maybe some of y'all missed it. Can we back up to verse number 10? The crowds asked, what should we do? Let's back up to verse number 9. It says, even now the acts of God's judgment is paused, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown to the fire. Now verse number 10. What, what are we going to do then? 
We don't want to experience God's judgment. What should we do? Then now he lists these three things, and each one of these three things has to do with, I'm, I'm going to call it, whether or not they had a spirit of generosity. Each one of these things had to do with money and material possessions. Can I get a witness? They wanted to know how to demonstrate spiritual transformation. So why did John's response center almost exclusively on money and possessions? Well, John wanted them to know this central truth. Our approach to money and possessions is central to our spiritual lives. We just found out for where man's treasure is, there was what? Heart be also. Go to Luke chapter number 19 with me, verse 1 through 2. Look at a fellow by name. How many of y'all have heard of Zacchaeus before? Now remember, we're on point number three here where I said uh, uh, generosity helps us invest in what matters. And we're going to get back to Matthew 6 in just a second. Generosity helps us invest what's matter. How many of y'all have ever invested in something that really, after all was said and done, it was not really worth it? It was not, it was, it was, it was something that was trivial. It was something that was that didn't have lasting value. It was something that really you wish you could have had your money back. Anybody ever done it before? Anybody ever got caught up in a pyramid scheme before? You don't have to raise your hand. Don't, don't raise your hand. I want you to embarrass yourself. But I know there was a period of time several years ago where it was sweeping through this area. People were not using wisdom. And anytime somebody comes to you with a can't miss deal, and it was so and so said it. So it must be okay. Now you better check so-and-so out because sometimes so-and-so don't know what so-and-so are talking about. Anytime somebody comes and tries to get you uh, to, 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 to get rich quick, be on guard. I was listening uh, to the Kim Commando show. and She's a lady that does a lot with uh, uh, technology and, and she, she's a technology wizard. She, but somebody, when her... Uh, her program producer was talking about this lady who uh, uh, had met this guy over at one of these dating apps. Um, I forgot what, what, what dating apps, you know, and if that's your thing, dating apps, I, I ain't mad at you. I just, it wouldn't be my thing if I was single. I just, I mean, you, 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 can, you can catch hold to a crook in person <laughs> as well as online because some of y'all, some of y'all didn't meet him in person, but you didn't meet him online, but you met him in person. He still was a crook. Right, but this lady whose who's daddy was a was a was a, a, a was a, uh, a nationally known cardiac 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 surgeon died and left her with uh, significant resources. And so she, she she met this guy in this dating app, and they began to talk and uh, and, and and share. And then he started talking about some uh, some uh, cryptocurrency or investments and stuff. And so uh, because he in, through that conversation, he he, he discerned that she had wealth because her daddy left her money. Mom was still over, but she had access to the money. And so they started talking. And so she entrusted him. She gave him $30,000 first. And so she gave him $30,000. And initially, those returns were coming back to her. She was getting money deposited into her account on a monthly basis. And over a period of time, uh, after doing that, and she saw that happening, um, he encouraged her to put some money in another uh, investment vehicle that he he had uh, control over, uh, and and ultimately, just to make a long story short, this woman ended up and never never talked to this guy in person. Just talked to him on I think it's what's is it WhatsApp WhatsApp somebody help me. is it WhatsApp yeah, 
she, 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 she never talked to him on person just through WhatsApp, and they were developing a relationship, friendship, through, through an online portal. Now, again, I, I, don't go away here and hate me because you found your husband on, on, on this day. Now, that's, not what, that's not what it's about. I want you to understand what I'm saying. Sometimes in our zeal for greed, we won't, we won't take time to pray through things, and we won't use common sense. Because how many of y'all, I heard brother say this, you may have heard this, they say common sense ain't, ain't too common nowadays. <laughs> this woman ended up giving away $6 million to a person she never saw in person. Didn't even have a phone number. She never contacted him outside of the WhatsApp. And he bamboozled her. Now, because it what you got to realize, those initial returns are probably coming from other people who he was scamming too. That's how a pyramid scheme works. Pyramid schemes don't last because you got to have a, a you got to have people investing into perpetuity into that thing. And so once you stop getting other suckers to come in, the thing collapses. And they are illegal. I don't care how many Christians are saying, "Well, this is the Lord thing." Not the Lord ain't gonna have you in a scheme. Can your pastor, ex banker, help you? I need you to understand something. Stop running after gimmicks and game and start trusting the Lord your God who's able to do exceedingly abundant above all you can ask or think. Do like those folks in the video. Get your financial house in order. Uh, pay off your debts. Go see Yvonne. Let her help you and do what she tells you to do. That's a shameless plug, Yvonne. But she does a great job. I refer people to her all the time because I know her character. I know, I know how she handles things, and she's going to do it with a spirit of excellence. But stop being taken, a foot, made a fool of because of the greedy mindset. I want you to have a spirit of generosity. I want you to be able to sow into people's lives and help them. Now, let's get to the text. Can, can, we, can we keep moving? So, so you know, just watch yourself, okay? Look at the neighbor, neighbor. You better watch yourself. Jesus entered Jericho. And made his way through the town. Can we keep reading? Text says, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. And he had become what? He had become what? He had become what? Now remember what I told you. Uh, The Romans typically hired Jewish men to collect taxes from the Jewish nation. So here we have Zacchaeus who had become very rich. But he, he got rich because he was crooked. Can we keep reading? Let's go, let's go. He says, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Short people got, okay. Uh, (laughs) Nothing wrong with short people. I love short people. I'm a short person, comparatively speaking, okay? So he ran ahead. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass that way. He was too short. The crowd was, he couldn't get through the crowd. He was short. He can't see the man. So he climbed up a tree. How many of y'all willing to climb up a tree to see Jesus? How many of y'all willing to go out of your way to get a word from the Lord? How many of y'all willing to, to tell your body, body, you're going to get up? I know you don't feel like going to Bible study in our small group study, but get yourself up and let's get to the house of the Lord so we can study some, some word. How many of y'all willing to, to tell your flesh? Uh-uh, we're not, we're not, we're not going to continue to do that. We're going to do things differently now. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. 
text says when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Now watch the text. Watch the text, okay? Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Watch this. Zacchaeus, the crooked tax collector, quickly came, climbed down, and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Now watch this. text says this. But the people were displeased. All right, watch this. Why were the people displeased, Lou? Why, why, why were they displeased? They were displeased because he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Now, how many of y'all were sinners? But how many of y'all were notorious sinners? Anybody was a notorious sinner? I, I know you don't want to admit it, but, but, but sometimes it's good. Confession is good for your soul so, so the people can know where the Lord has delivered you from. I told you before, sometimes we, we are reluctant to tell our story because we think of how this is going to make us look in our present day situation. But what I've learned is, is that, that when, when we tell what God has delivered us from and what he's brought us through, it is a great testimony to the power of God working in our lives. So don't ever be afraid. When the Holy Spirit say, tell it, tell it. Some, t- some stuff God's going to keep between you and him. And some stuff God will say, tell it. And some of y'all got some stories that God wants to use to help somebody else get out of their present day situation. Don't be afraid to let God use your testimony to be a blessing to somebody else. All right? But the people were displeased. They didn't like it because he's going to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Jesus, what are you going to eat that man's house? So he he take up, he steal our money, do all this. And Jesus is going to eat with him. Watch, watch what the text says. Watch this. It says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, Watch what he says. I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, which he had, <laughs> I will give them back four times as much. Why would he put that statement in there? He put that statement in there, guys, because he had been cheating the people. I told you, it was, it was commonplace for these Jewish tax collectors to cheat their own people. That's sad, isn't it? Can we keep going? Watch this, 9 and 10. It says, Jesus responded. Now watch this. Jesus responds after Zacchaeus said what he said in verse number 8. Can we back up to verse number 8? Don't miss the context here. Here we got this guy. Too short to see him, climbs up a tree. Jesus says, come down, tonight I'm going to eat at your house. And when he comes to Jesus' house, notice Zacchaeus' confession. I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Next verse, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this house this day. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. What made Jesus say that? Because the dude says, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor, and if I cheat anybody, I'm going to pay them back four times what I cheated them. His concept 
and his mindset and his approach to money has changed now. What y'all say has changed? It radically changed, and that was an indicator of a spiritual transformation that had taken place on the inside. Look at verse number 10. Let's watch. Watch this. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Why are you complaining about who's coming to your church now? Had a brother share this with me. He was doing some outreach, and, and, and as he's doing this outreach and bringing people in that that are marginalized, people that from the street and people who, who, you know, long hair and tattoos, that type of thing. And it was cool while they were meeting there, but he was inviting them to come to the church. And then as he invited them to come to the church, after a period of time, people start saying, well, wait a minute now. Okay, they, they're not dressed right. Wait a minute now. They don't look right. Wait a minute now. If, 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 if two minutes start coming, what's going to happen? And it it, it crushed his heart because his message was, that's what the gospel is here for. We're here to reach the marginalized. We're here to reach those who are downtrodden. We're here to reach those who, who need to know the Savior. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is what? Lost. Zacchaeus' new approach to money proved his heart had been transformed. Go to Acts, the second chapter. Can we keep moving? Acts chapter number two, verse number 45. And then we'll go to Acts chapter four, verse 32 through 35. In these passages of scripture, we see Jerusalem converts who gladly sold their possessions to give to the needy. Acts 2 and 45. Now, again, when you look at this, understand what it says. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Notice what it did not say. It did not say they sold all their property and their possessions. Because if I sell everything that I got and give it all away, then now I'm going to be poor. And how am I going to help somebody else? They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those who were in need. Now go to the fourth chapter, verse 32-35. Are you still tracking with me? I need you to understand this. We're talking about a spirit of generosity. And I told you, God, God will show me stuff. And some, I told you the other week, sometimes I'll share it, sometimes I don't. But one thing he did share with me was that, that he's, he's, he's blessing this church. And we've always been a, a generous church from the standpoint of helping other churches and helping those in need. And, but God says, I'm, I'm going to utilize this ministry in a way that you haven't been utilized before in, in, in being a church that's helping a helping church. The spirit of generosity. And you know how he's going to help through this church? He's going to use all of us in this church to sow so that we can help put the gospel out into the community, into the world. And guys, there are so many facets and so many ways that we can take this word, take the word of God and, and, and place it into various places. You know, uh, one of the things that I think I, I may have shared this previously with you guys, uh, I was one who initially uh, was against live streaming. I, I just think, no, we don't need to do no live stream. Let's go encourage people to stay at home. That's me and my narrow-minded thinking at that time. And guess what? Guess what we went, guess what we went to live streaming when we had to? The pandemic forced us to recalibrate and say, if we're going to get this message, the gospel message shouldn't stop because 
the government said we can't meet, we're going to figure out a, a way that we can do it, and we're going to do it with a spirit of excellence. It's not going to be just an iPhone trembling on, on, in the back with one shot. We want to do it with a spirit of excellence so that somebody, when they turn, tune in, they don't tune out. Are y'all tracking me? Because you know you do that. Uh, online don't give you that chance. See, see, when you're in church now and I'm not preaching good, you're kind of embarrassed to walk from the front to the back and leave. But if you're watching me online, you go, bloop. <laughs> Did nobody even know you were there? But you know what God told me? We all are learning things, right? What God told me was, hey, listen, utilize the tool to advance the word far beyond the four walls of the church in Benton, Louisiana. And I'm going to tell you something. A a great percentage of those who've came and united with this ministry over the last couple of years or so told us first that they checked us out online for two months to see if I was crazy or not. They didn't quite say it that way, but, but, but that's what they were doing. They were checking us out to see what kind of church is this? Do I want to go visit? And so as a result, we, what God told me is use the tool to get the word out. Continue to use your know, radio outreach and other things and, you know, and, and, and use the outreach ministry. Because again, this coming Wednesday, it's going to be our outreach Wednesday where we're going we're gonna to have some of our ministry partners, those who we partner with, who are doing great ministry work and outreach and reaching uh, the marginalized. And we're going we're gonna to come and we're going to, hear from them, and we're going to see how each one of us can get involved in helping a man reach those who need to be reached. So that nobody has an excuse why I can't serve. Amen? Are y'all still with me? Now watch the text here. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. How many of y'all, how many of y'all are, are generous? How many of y'all share with people? How many of y'all are willing to, to bless when the Lord says bless? Now think about this. If we're made in his image and his likeness and he's a generous God, he carries a spirit of generosity and we're his image and his likeness, shouldn't we also carry a spirit of generosity? Now again, carrying a spirit of generosity don't mean that you're a fool and let people take advantage of you. So you got to use wisdom when you sow. Because every request that comes to you is not a request that you should sow into. Amen? I need, I need to say that right quick. Some, some people who have the gift of mercy, and, and, and thank God for people who have the gift of mercy, but sometimes people who have the gift of mercy can, can, can wear themselves out and be taken advantage of. And they can end up enabling a person rather than helping a person. Are y'all tracking with me today? And they felt that what they owned was not their own. What they had was not their own, so they shared everything that they had. Next verse, let's go. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. Let's go. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them, watch this, and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Now this is, again, you know, this is, not long after the day of Pentecost when people that came to Jerusalem for the, for, the, for the Feast of Pentecost and there were people from all across the globe at that time in Jerusalem and it, and, and, and it was such a, a magnetic, uh, powerful experience that they hung around. 
They didn't go back to the, immediately back to the, the places where they came from. So you had all these guests in town, and now you had the church there trying to help take care of them. And so there were those in the church who had a spirit of generosity who went and sold some stuff and gave it to the apostles so they could help meet those needs of those who were still hanging out in Jerusalem. Now, again, that experience at Pentecost was so powerful that, that, that the apostles and other believers wanted to stay there in Jerusalem. They wanted to blast in the glory, the glory, Pentecost, speaking in tongues, filling with the Holy Spirit. But the only problem with that was God told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? But they wanted to stay in Jerusalem. Can I use my spiritual imagination? God has told us to go, but many of them want to stay in, at EBC in the church. And say, I'm serving God. I'm giving my money and I'm there every week. Pastor, I'm helping. And thank God for that. But God wants us to take this message of love and begin to exude it into the communities, into our workplaces and places uh, of employment and schools and wherever we are. Take this message and begin to let it reflect itself outside the four walls of this church. Now, I will tell you that the disciples didn't leave Jerusalem because they were basking in the glow afterglow of Pentecost, so much so that God had to allow persecution to come to force them to scatter. And you not know that that, that, that type of mindset and sometimes the stubbornness that we have as a people, uh, uh, when I say as a people, Christians, the stubbornness that we have, we, we've gotten so used to doing things a certain way that we won't change it unless some kind of pressure comes on us. Am I right about it? Some of y'all been doing th- some of y'all been doing stuff the same way for thirty years, and it would kill you to change. But I'm here to tell you. Remember, I, I, we preached a, a, a probably fifteen part series on commitment to change. If God is going to utilize us in in ways beyond just what He's always He's, he's already utilized us, is we got to commit to, to 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 changing the method, not the message. The message of Jesus Christ, him, him crucified, buried, and resurrection never changes. That's the way to get to God. But our methods have to change if we're going to reach an ever-changing generation. I told you before, I, I, I refuse to be the one who sit here and, and, and keep saying, well, we're going to do it the way we've always done it because that's the way we've always done it. That's the way I like the way to do it. There's some things that God is calling me to do that I, it's not my natural comfort zone. But I realize if we sit here and don't uh, change as the Holy Spirit gives us the option, then we'll sit here and all of us will get grow old together. And guess what's going to happen? Like a lot of churches have done, they refuse to change and they sit there and not figuratively, but they literally die out. Hear me carefully. They literally die out because they say we do not want to do it any different than the way we've always done it. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus is calling on all of us to do life differently. He's going to use your personality bent. All of us got different personality bents, right? And so what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that when the Holy Ghost says move, don't fight him. Do you not realize we reached, we've reached far more people with the message 
of the gospel through our live stream than we did prior to this. There's probably equal number of people watching online as are in this sanctuary. And one of the things that we decided to do when, when, when we were studying this, and we, we, we got with the Barna group and, and did a cohort, and we talked about a hybrid church and what that means. And rather than saying, okay, I can't be glad when we get back here so we can go back to normal. No, no, no. I was hard-headed, and I'm thinking to myself now, how many more people could we have reached with the gospel had we been in the live streaming four or five years ago? But I, me and my narrow way of thinking, Nancy, I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't want to encourage nobody. But what, Nancy, what if you got, what if you got morning sickness and you can't make it? And you can't drive all the way. They drive all the way from South Shreveport. I mean, way down yonder. How many, I don't know how many miles it is, but it's got, at a minimum, it's, it's, it's 30. They drive 30 miles to church. So, so she, she's got morning sickness, can't come. What's she going to do? Boop, pop it up. There she is right there, waving right there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Got to go to the bathroom right now. The baby's messing up, but I'm coming back up. Praise the Lord. She couldn't do that if we didn't have that technology available. And your gifts of tithes and offering didn't pay for the high-speed, dedicated internet line that won't, for the most part, buffer like we were having problems at first. We find that to decide that, and we, we kept looking for a, a credible way to do this without it buffering and stopping. How many of y'all remember those buffering days? You know what solved that? A dedicated AT&T line where can't nobody else jump on there but us. Now, guess what? It costs a little bit more. Well, a lot more to be exact. I'm, I'm serious. I mean, when I say a lot more, it's, it's four times what we were paying. But is that too much to get the word out? Because if it's buffering, it's stopping soon later, somebody's going to turn it off. But because of your spirit of generosity, we're able to have a dedicated internet line. Give yourself a hand. I, listen, I brag on you all. Now, we're not a perfect church by no means, by no stretch of the imagination. But I do thank God that you all are a generous church. And I do thank God, hear me carefully, that you're willing to follow leadership. Even when you don't quite understand, you're, maybe, maybe you're, it may take a while to grasp it. It may take a, time, a while for you to go through some things, but, but I think for the most part, most of y'all saying, I'm in for the long haul. And I appreciate that as your pastor. Okay, I'm about out of time. <laughs> All right, so he says, and bring the money to the apostles to give to those who are in need. So in, in, in those passages, scripture, we see Jerusalem converts who gladly sold their possessions to give to need. Go to Mark, the 12th chapter, verse 41 through 44. Come on, come on, come on. Mark 12, 41 through 44. So, generosity helps us invest in what matters. It does, in what matters. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. I, I referenced this last week and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Where was he sitting? Near the collection box. Where? In the temple. Y'all remember the old days we used to march during the offering? 
Any of y'all remember that? How many of y'all walked around with your envelope? Dropped it in. Or how many remember we passed the bucket? And you know what? There's some things that we trained, we changed, and we're not going back, by the way. That COVID helped us to realize that there was there was some, I'm gonna call them time wasters, but we can we can get out a little bit sooner than what we were getting out. Because if offering takes seven minutes or eight minutes for you to march around, uh, then now you give online or you give as you leave, drop it in the, in the, in the boxes as you leave and exit the door. Isn't that, isn't that convenient? And, and guess what? The offerings haven't went down. So why don't we go back to marching or passing the tray? Everybody say change can be good. I don't know. I just something on the inside of me like the march. Well, that's your tradition. If you want to march, wait the service over, just march over by that box and drop it in there. And we're going to pray for you. We don't even clap for you. But we ain't going to do it during the service. <laughs> just sat down to the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. I'm reading this and I'm stopping. Gosh, dog, I didn't get far as I wanted to go. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him. Now remember, everything that was happening while these boys were walking with the master, with the master kind of was a teachable experience. And I'm going to tell you something. Everything that you go through in life is a teachable experience. I don't care if it's good or it's bad. God is trying to teach you something. And what I've learned is to learn from every situation that happens in life. Don't curse it, learn from it. Don't fall out and wig out, learn from it. Don't go in a hole and hide. They hurt me. Learn from it. Jesus called the disciples to him and said, hey boys, come here, come here. I'll tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. This widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, guys. Now listen, I, 44th, just for good measure, I, I got to stop. For they gave a tiny part. <laughs> listen to what he said. They gave a tinsy-wincy part. Can I put it in doorology? It, it said they, they gave a tinsy-wincy part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Next week, I'm going to talk about the Macedonian church and how Paul commended them that out of their poverty, they sold. So what, what, what am I saying? The, the amount of money you have technically is irrelevant as it relates to God and how we give generously. I'm going to show you that. And we're going to talk about the Macedonian church next week. But guys, let's, let's learn. Number three, generosity helps us invest in what really matters. Because Jesus gave his life for each and every one of us. He gave his very best so that you and I could have the privilege to commune with the triune God. Died on the cross of Calvary. Buried in the borrowed tomb and resurrected the third day morning with all power in heaven and earth in his hand. So that you and I could have the privilege to be in his presence. Let's embrace the spirit of generosity 
And, and this week, I'm going to give you a challenge. Here's your challenge for this week. I want you just to go sow whatever amount the Holy Spirit lives in your heart. Go sow into somebody's heart, into somebody's life. Just, just go, just go say, say, listen, the Holy Spirit told me to plant this in your, in your life. I just want to be a blessing to you. I'm not telling you what that amount is. If it's $20, it's $20. If it's, if it's $5, it's $5. If it's $100, $100. Or if it's $200, $200. Whatever the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, into your heart, I want you to go sow into somebody's life. Now, don't, don't sow to your wife or your husband. That kind of defeats the point. I mean, y'all should be sowing each other anyhow. <laughs> y'all with me? I just want you to get in the habit of, of following the Holy Spirit's leading. Because he wants to use us to exhibit the spirit of generosity. Give me head, body, back close. Father, we thank you.